Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Uh, with me today is Scott. Scott, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, we we got a few people uh, missing today. Um, Vince is out drinking, and Chad's in Bulgaria, I think, or maybe it's the other way around. I forget. I think you and, um, I think you and Tom Carter. I mean, never mind. You and TC might ah, no. have that mixed up. Um, anyway. Fans, thanks for tuning in, and welcome to our 2022 Broker Review Draft Preview and Mock Draft, We've, which our Mock Draft has been submitted by our Meyer League analyst, Brandon Miller, and uh, we'll be going through that for you, fans, as the Brewers have the 27th pick in the first round uh, this season, which is... Uh, Unfortunately, due to their 95 wins and division championship last year, the, they picked pretty much lower than any time I can ever remember, really, um, yeah. in the first round. So uh, we'll have to wait a little bit as we go through that. But uh, one of the things I wanted to uh, start off with here, Scott, and just talk to you about um, this draft overall in the first round um, actually has, I think, five players with major league bloodlines which means they either have a, um, a family member a brother or a dad that was previously a major leaguer previously or possibly currently a major leaguer um and um so it's kind of interesting um obviously if you look at the Toronto Blue Jays current roster and how they've built their their team they actually have three pretty prominent players uh, who are sons of former major leaguers, including ex-brewer Dante Bichette, of course, his son is on the Blue Jays, uh, Bo, and then you've got uh, Vlad uh, Guerrero's son, obviously Vlad Jr., and then Craig Biggio's um, son, Kevin Biggio, all, all in just the Blue Jays, and if you look throughout Major League Baseball, there's quite a few players who's have you know fathers or relatives played in the major leagues before and when referencing that type of player you say those are players with bloodlines uh so to speak uh some genetic tie to major league baseball in the past um if you're drafting for a team let's say i don't know the milwaukee brewers and uh, a player comes up of similar draft stock so to speak similar qualities numbers uh, coming from either high school college or junior college and independent ball whatever um and one of the players has bloodlines and the other does not does that factor in for you as as someone who's drafting for an organization and and what are the reasons behind that um i th i think it does but probably only slightly um and I guess my reasoning is, is that, um, of course, you know, if, if you see that they have that sort of pedigree that obviously, you know, those bloodlines are able to, um, you know, um, have some great major league talent in them already, then yeah, that's definitely a plus. Um, at the same time, um, 
I think that being like, say being the kid of a major leaguer and being uh, kind of um, able to like having access, obviously that like, you know, regular kids might not have um, being around the game and knowing, I guess, what it takes to be successful in the major leagues. I think that that is, is really important because I, I think a lot of these players, they come up, they're the best player in their high school. They might be the best player in their college. And then all of a sudden, you know, eventually you hit a point where, I mean, <laughs> unless you're Mike Trout, I guess, um, eventually you hit a point where you're not the best player on your team anymore. Um, or at least, you know, not right away. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I just think that it, it definitely helps. Um, hopefully, you know, you're going to, because not only that, not only is it like they have the pedigree, but like they're coming from a baseball family. Like this is a family that basically, you know, uh, lives and breathes baseball. And so I think that that definitely helps as well. But um, yeah, I mean, not exactly what I would, say is it's certainly not it's probably not even in the top 10 of things I would look for um, in a player but at the same time it definitely helps yeah and there's been plenty of I agree with most of your points I, I mean there's been plenty of most of them no, I'm just uh, of, <laughs> of, of, of uh, kids of former major leaguers so to speak uh, that have not been successful I think um Roger Clemens has like five sons all involved in baseball at one form. And I know one of them just made his major league debut for the Tigers, but is most likely going to not have a very long major league career. And, and you're talking about sons of a, of a, you know, surefire, one of the best pitchers of his generation, Roger Clemens. So it's not always a guarantee, but like you said, um, when you grow up around the game and it's kind of like ingrained not just genetically in your blood, but in just the way that you operate and that you have, you know, all the ins and outs of how major league baseball operates and, and what it takes to be, be a ball player. And I think that's a huge advantage. Um, and also just the support system there um, for, for you also, you know, obviously um, is something that I think does bode well. And uh, so I, I think, you know, in this scenario that I, that I pointed out, I think, you know, you would almost have to lean toward that player with bloodlines, but obviously it depends on, you know, what, you know, what you're looking for and what your the rest of your scouting department says about the player. I mean, you, your grittiness, your heart and other immeasurable type things aren't necessarily stuff that you can, um, you, you know, that are passed down necessarily through generations um, or whatever. So it is interesting though. So, I mean, Talking about the 2022 draft, it, it is interesting uh, that in the first round, it's projected that there are five alcohol and bloodline players that are supposed to be selected, including the odds-on favorite to go number one overall, and that's Drew Jones, who's the son of former MLB player and uh, um, Atlanta Brave Andrew Jones, uh, center fielder for the Braves uh, back in the day. Back in the day, you've got Jackson Holiday, who was the son of Matt Holiday, former Cardinal. Justin Crawford, who's the son of Carl Crawford, um, Cam Collier, who's son of Lou Collier, um, and then uh, Jace Young, who is the brother of Josh Young, is currently on the Rangers. I know he's on the injured list for this year, but um, he he just broke through as a rookie last year. And um, yeah, his brother 
Jays is going to be selected probably in the top 15 picks as well. So you've got um, quite a few bloodlines, uh, so to speak, uh, in this first round, which I think is kind of interesting, um, especially toward the top of the draft. So um, a couple other kind of just like storylines for this draft. Um, it's really interesting, um, you know, who might be available at the 27th pick. I mean, it's kind of a total crapshoot at this point. Uh, and who would be a Milwaukee, selected by the Milwaukee Brewers? I will point out the Brewers do have all their all their picks, but they also have a, a competitive B balance pick this year, which is a pick that comes after the second round um, this year. So that's an additional pick they'll have to add into their farm system. Um, so I mean, it's not guaranteed you're going to get a blue chip type prospect necessarily at 27 overall. However, there's been plenty of great players selected in that range. Um, a couple of guys, I guess, that could fall, so, so to speak. Uh, there's one, someone who was kind of initially projected to go in the top 10 of this draft, and that's uh, right-handed pitcher Dylan Lesko, who unfortunately had Tommy John surgery just this April uh, and is missing this whole year. So he, it's possible he could have a quite, quite the fall. I don't know if he'll make it to 27, but he probably is at least going to be going to the middle – if not the back half of the first round because of that injury. You also have this. And they thought he was going to go in the top 10, right? Potentially. I mean, before the injury, he, yeah. that's where he was kind of slated. Yeah. In fact, even top five at one point. Um, but um, yeah. So again, I, my guess is he'll still go in the top 20. He's that talented. Uh, a more interesting possibility of someone who can make it to the Brewers pick is actually someone with Wisconsin ties. And that's, um, a young fellow named Connor Prelip, who was born and raised in Toma, Wisconsin. He has attended the University of Alabama for the last three seasons. And uh, he had Tommy John surgery, unfortunately, last May. Um, and so he still has not recovered this season. Now, he could have pitched a little bit for Alabama, but he chose not to. Um, and instead, he's he has pitched a pre-draft showcases and whatnot. And supposedly, he's back to nearly back to full health after that Tommy John surgery over a year ago. However, he's a question mark. And because of that, again, he was probably projecting the top 15 picks. He, he could fall into the mid twenties. So the, if he made it to our pick, I'd, I'd literally do like a backflip. If we took him, but um, I think he probably might be gone just before we pick, unfortunately. And a couple other interesting stories of guys that could get picked. Um, last year, the New York Mets picked Kumar Rocker, who was, um, really you know hugely um hyped prospect so to speak and he did not sign with them because his medicals didn't check out so instead of going back to college he actually um instead uh, played for the indie league in this past year so that he could be um instead of going back to college which is interesting um and so it the mets actually have a compensation pick for not signing him at number 11 they also have picked 14 but they're not even allowed to, to reselect him uh, per the MLB rules. But I, I do feel that he will go in the top 15 picks uh, this year as well. Um, and Brandon, I think, agrees with me looking at his mock draft here. So um, I guess without further ado, we'll go over all 27 picks of this mock draft that Brandon does annually, um, pretty much up to the Brewers picks. Now, back in the day, you used to only have to go about five to 10 picks, and the Brewers picks were up now. <laughs> This one, you had to do a little bit more research um, on. And, yeah, so we <laughs> a little bit to go over here. So I'll, I'll point out some of those bloodline guys as we go. But um, 
through his mock draft. Then we'll talk about who Brandon thinks the, the Brewers will pick and then go over some guys that will still possibly be on the board at that time or maybe some guys that might fall to our pick and see, see who we pick. Now, Brandon and myself included has not been too successful on actually nailing the Brewers pick. I think the last pick I completely nailed was like, uh, well, at least first rounder was probably like Brett Lowry back in the day, and uh, that didn't and end well for anyone involved. So hopefully uh, that doesn't really factor in too heavily. So, all right, so here's here's our from mock uh, that our fans have tuned in for. Uh, let's start with the number one overall pick, Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Brand's gone picking. Drew Jones, outfielder from Georgia High School, and of course he is the son of Andrew Jones. Uh, so he's Brand feels he'll go number one overall, and number two overall, Brandon has another bloodline player here going. He's got Jackson Holiday, the son of Matt Holiday, going from uh, Oklahoma High School, a shortstop, uh, left-handed hitting shortstop, going to the Diamondbacks. Brand's got the rank taking, I guess, my favorite prospect in this draft, and that's Elijah Green, who is a right hand hitting outfielder from Florida High School. Um, I There's some questions on his hit tool, but he's got unbelievable power and unbelievable athleticism. Um, and I, I really feel that he has the highest ceiling in this draft. Uh, his floor might be a little bit lower than people would like for number one overall pick or something like that, but I, I honestly think he's the best player in the strap and that's Elijah Green, but Green, but what we shall see, he's uh, out of high school in Florida. So Brian's got him going the Rangers. Number four, the Pirates pick our division rivals. Uh, uh, Brian's going to pick in shortstop. The first college pick here from Cal Poly shortstop, Brooks Lee, left-handed hitting shortstop. The Nationals will pick number five and their brand's going to take in my second favorite player in this draft, and that's Tamar Johnson, left-handed second base slash shortstop from a high school in Georgia. Um, I feel like he's got the best hit tool in this draft and possibly, in my opinion, one of the best hit tools in like the last five to ten drafts, to be quite honest. Uh, but brand's going to fall oh. number, to, to, to number five. Um, and, and he's out of high school in Georgia, Tamar Johnson, once again. All right, the Marlins are pick number six. Brand's going to taking Cam Collier's son. I'm sorry, Luke Collier's son, Cam Collier, third baseman from uh, actually junior college, Chipotle Junior College. So number seven, our division rival Cubs pick. And he's going to take a shortstop from Campbell University, and that's uh, Zach Neto, shortstop. Um, and then eighth pick is the Minnesota Twins. And we've got them selecting Jacob Berry. So outfielder for LSU. Uh, the Royals pick number nine. Uh, catcher, the undisputed best catcher in this draft at Georgia Tech is Kevin Parada. Tenth pick overall, uh, the Colorado Rockies. Texas Tech second baseman, Jace Young, left-handed second baseman and the brother of Josh Young, um, going to the to the Rockies. So Brand actually has four of those bloodline players going in the top ten. That's interesting. Oh, and here at number eleven, he's got uh, another one. He's got Justin Crawford, son of Carl Crawford, shortstop from high school in your neck of the woods, Scott, in Nevada. Wow. Carl Crawford's kid. Uh, he's going to go into the Mets at number eleven. 12, the Tigers, he's got, and he may have noticed something here, Brewer fans and Scott. Um, 
there's not been a pitcher. We're now on the through 11 picks, and there has not been a pitcher mocked by Brandon to be selected in the top 10 at all. In fact, he's got the first pitcher going here. Uh, so needless to say, I, I concur with Brandon's um, prognosis here that this is not – there's no real pitchers that separate themselves that, that probably should go toward the top of this draft, especially in the top five picks. But he may very well be right. There may not be a pitcher picked in the top ten. So it's very interesting. That hasn't happened in a while. Um, Tigers, tenth overall, is going to be taking Oklahoma right-hand pitcher Kate Horton. And uh, number th- – 13, we already brought him up in this podcast, but Kumar Rocker to the Angels at number 13, right-handed pitcher from Indy Ball. Again, he was selected 10th overall by the Mets last year, but did not sign because of some spot medicals. Because of that, yeah, that, that makes him really hard to figure out where he's going to go because some drafts have him like uh, as high as like 10 or 12, and some people have him, you know, in the low 20s. So it's, it's hard to say. He's a tough one to to judge but if the right team you know it, you tend to think that a, a team is gonna like a team that really wants him is more likely to reach on it so i i would expect he would go before the before the 20th pick but that's just me no yeah i think i'd be shocked if he made it anywhere near our pick so unfortunately um i think he does have a pretty high ceiling he can throw like 100 miles an hour and uh he's got an awesome power arm so to speak so I think he definitely will have a major league career in his future, um, you know, if given health, so to speak. So the Mets pick once again, their second first-round pick, obviously, because of no first-round pick signing with them last year. They've got number 14, Brands Gunn taking Gavin Cross, a left-handed hitting outfielder from Virginia Tech. The Padres at number 15, Brand has them taking Dylan Lesko, the right-handed pitcher, pitcher uh, went to – Buford um, with 15th overall picks. Again, he's someone who just went through Tommy John here just a couple of months ago. But again, I think that would be a steal for the Padres if they're able to get him. It kind of reminds me of some other pitchers that fell due to Tommy John surgery just before the draft. And that's uh, formerly Luke, Lucas Giolito, I think, went like 16th overall to the Nationals back in the day. And another guy, who the Brewers passed on, unfortunately, to my chagrin, was Walker Bueller. I think went number twenty-four overall to the Dodgers because he was coming off Tommy, Tommy John surgery out of high school too, and obviously that was an absolute steal. So um, there's some examples there of you know you can really hit the jackpot you know if you take a risk on some of these guys coming off injury. And I think uh, Brandon's correct here. The Padres could have a, you know really shooting for the stars on that one. Um, yeah, and I I think too like a lot of a lot of teams realize now at this point, like none of these players are going to help them in the next year, the next two years, probably. Um, And obviously like uh, having a player that has Tommy John surgery, that's not like the end all be all like, like it once was like people, they used to drop a lot further. I think now people realize that, um, you know, not only can you get through Tommy John surgery, but, um, and, and get to the other side, you can even sometimes be even more effective. You might even add a couple miles per hour on your fastball or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, not a big deal. And not that, not that everyone has time on surgery, but it sure seems like a, a good percentage of young arms do ha- have that at some point. Um, and, and, not, and, of course, 
if you have it once, it's not like uh, you can't get it again, kind of like COVID or something. But um, <laughs> you, um, it's sometimes to me, if I'm scouting, it's like, well, you know, this way he, he gets Tommy John surgery kind of out of the way early and before he even starts in my early career. And it kind of, well, if they can recover from that, it kind of shows that they're resolved as a young player as well, because that's not an easy thing to do is to miss a full year of baseball when that's been your entire life up to that point. So it kind of builds some character almost, in my opinion, uh, getting through a surgery too. With that being said, you know, there's plenty of other risks involved, but um, I agree with your point on that for sure. Um, all right, we're up to the 16th pick. Uh, so again, the Brewers 27 pick is coming up in this mock, but the Guardians at number 16, we've got them taking Cole Young, shortstop from a high school in Pennsylvania. The Phillies at number 17, Brock Porter, right-handed pitcher out of a Michigan high school. The Reds, the been rivals at number 18, Jet Williams, shortstop from Texas high school. The Oakland A's picking number 19. They're going to be going with Drew Gilbert, a left-handed hitting outfielder from the University of Tennessee. 20th overall pick, the Atlanta Braves. Um, kind of sucks that they won the World Series last year and by the get to pick 20 at number 20. But, of course, they uh, finished with a worse record during the regular season than the Brewers by quite a few games. Uh, anyway, their pick here, Brand's going to take in Cooper. Jerp, left-handed pitcher from Oregon State. Uh, he's really flown up draft boards this year because he wasn't even on the radar coming in this year, but he's leading college baseball or he led college baseball in strikeouts this year. He has a very unorthodox sidearm-ish three-quarters delivery, though. Um, and so, um, it's, but, you know, the results are there, and I think the Braves won't shy away from that. Oh, here we go at number one, or sorry, number 21, the Mariners. Brand's got them taking the Wisconsin native Connor, left-handed pitcher from Alabama, Connor Prelip, who's had time John surgery last season and uh, should be back to full health this year. So I really like that pick for the Mariners. Uh, Cardinals at number 22, another division rival. Um, got them taking Arizona catcher Daniel Susak, second best catcher available in the draft. 23, the Blue Jays will be selecting left-handed pitcher out of high school in Florida, Brandon Barrera. And the number 24, the Red Sox will be taking outfielder from University of Tennessee as well, Jordan Beck. And then the Yankees pick number 25. It's going to take in Sterling Thompson, a third baseman out of the University of Florida. And just before our pick, the White Sox at number 26, Brent has them taking third baseman from Hammond, and that's Tucker Toman. All right. Well, drum roll on who we have collectively mocked for the Brewers to take at 27 overall in this year's draft. And that's Chase DeLauder, a left-handed hitting outfielder from James Madison University. Um, I like that selection that Brandon picked. Um, I really, he's got some power and some speed, um, and a decent, he has a little bit of a strange swing, I guess, or, 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 not, or I guess I'll call it an unorthodox sprint swing, but it works for him. Um, and, and so even with that, his hit tool is pretty, pretty solid. And I would like that he's athletic as well. 
I think that'd be a pretty solid pick uh, for the Brewers, a left-handed hitting, power hitting outfielder of uh, James Masson. So I like that pick for Brandon. Um, a couple of, <clears throat> before I go over a couple other guys that were not in this mock that could still be available when the Brewers pick. I'll, I'll point out one other thing, and that's that this is the first season ever now after the new collective bargaining agreement that the draft has been moved from the beginning of June, usually the first week or so in June, to now going to be held during the All-Star break for the first time this season. And it happens to start on Sunday night, July 17th, coming up. So mark your calendars for that. It's the, whole, the entire, I think, first round. And, uh, the first two rounds will be on night one, and then they'll wrap it up on the Monday and Tuesday, the 18th and 19th, um, for the rest of the draft. So make sure to check in for that. It should be exciting kickoff to the um, All-Star Weekend uh, in Los Angeles this year. So um, what are your thoughts, before I go over some of the other guys that could still be on the board here, Scott, what are some of your thoughts on, uh, on do you like the fact that the, it got moved back a little bit, uh, the draft? Obviously, the one advantage, I guess, is in the June draft, guys were being drafted as they were still playing in, like, the college playoffs so to speak the college world series wasn't even happening yet and there there were plenty of guys getting drafted while they're still literally on the playing field so um there's that and then you know so i don't know there's a little bit more time to scout players less time for them to i guess get into this get signed and then you know actually play some minor league ball for the teams this year but uh, so that's a disadvantage of it what are your thoughts on the the draft basically being more than a month later than normal for the first time in, in, in history. Um, I'm, not, I, I'm a little bit torn by it because I, on one hand, it, it kind of makes sense because um, there's frankly a lot of parts about, um, you know, obviously the all-star game is a million times better than something like the Pro Bowl and stuff like that. But at the same time, like a lot of those, um, a lot of those games, you know, at the end of the day, they don't mean anything, but it's nice to see everybody out there, like all the good stars and all that. So to be able to have this kind of coincide with that, um, I think it, in one way, it kind of makes sense because, you know, obviously uh, it's, it's a big weekend for baseball already. And this makes it even bigger. Like this, you know, turns into some sort of extravaganza. That's cool. But at the same time, like, um, I, I guess I don't know why they, if that was the reason, if that was the only reason why they thought about like pushing it back, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it makes sense, I suppose, but it'll be fun. At the end of the day, it's a month later. There's not that big of a difference. Well, I think the catalyst to the move was to, shine more of a spotlight to casual fans of baseball onto the draft because if you which is emulating drafts held in other sports obviously the nfl draft has probably been the gold standard of uh fan excitement for for actual drafting i mean they make it into actual event and people really prep and, and get heavily invested in these players that they're in the nfl draft which basically get drafted and get immediately placed and the team a lot of times in starting starting roles so it's an it's almost an instant gratification for those fans to see the players drafted and immediately on the field um nba is similar which just uh, the nba draft is in similar 
in the hockey draft too, for that matter, is in similar, similar, you know, where you players get drafted and they're, they, they make immediately impact on the actual NBA team. Some of them, you know, obviously they take a little longer to develop you drafting younger guys straight out of high school or something, or I mean, not straight out of high school, but you know, cause a lot of these guys are, are spending just their freshman season in college. And so some of them, need you know to play on to not necessarily have an impact immediately coming out of college like when they used to come out as juniors or, or even seniors into the nba so so here in major league baseball it's even a whole nother ballgame like hardly no one goes straight from being drafted directly to the major leagues it's very rare to ever happen even within a i mean usually it takes about a year to two minimum for someone to see the the field of the major league baseball team that drafts them. And when you're talking the, the larger percent of guys that get drafted, take anywhere from three to five years to actually make, if not longer to actually make the majors. If you're drafted as an 18 year old, you know, you may not even, you know, see a major league game until you're 23, if you're lucky and, and progress really well. And some of them are like later developed and some of them don't even, you know, it could take them anywhere from longer than that. Like, five to nine years even. So it's kind of crazy. And so because of that, there's always been a difficult time for base, casual baseball fans to really get heavily invested in even researching or turning, turning into podcasts like this to really learn about what's happening in the draft because there's not the instant gratification of actually seeing the player reach the majors. However, there's plenty of real diehard baseball fans that really like to follow these players through the minor leagues and, and see they're kind of like their stock increase and decrease as they go through each level of the minor leagues. Um, and so, the, so there's some, you know, there's still some popularity and I think that, that they're just trying to shine more of a light onto that. And of course they, they pick starting the draft the same night as the afternoon futures game. This is part of the uh, all-star festivity. So it's kind of cool where the futures games, which are guys, you know, drafted that are the, kind of like the minor league all-stars, so to speak, that have been drafted in the last, you know, anywhere from three to seven years or whatever are on this futures league roster, futures team roster. Uh, and then when that game ends, the MLB draft will be starting, so to speak. So it's kind of a cool way to segue it and get, get fans excited about the future prospects as well. So I think it's probably a good move from a PR perspective, from an actual developmental perspective. It's probably not the best. I think it's, it might be good for those college players so that they don't have to like be on the field and checking their phones and stuff uh, to whether or not they just got drafted, you know, they're coming up the bat next or something like that. But overall, I think that the one, to, the bad thing is it's only a month delay, so to speak, but I think it'll be real difficult for to get teams quickly. I mean, players quickly signed and actually in a minor league affiliate still during the 2022 season or the season that they're drafted. So there could be a little bit of loss development there, but um, not not much. Obviously, just a month. So I think um, I think I think it's a good decision overall. So <clears throat> real quick, I like the tie-in with the futures game. That was a great point. I mean, obviously that'd be, you know, that's kind of nice. Yeah, and I mean, I think our next podcast will be a kind of our our own All Star Game preview coming up or whatnot, or one of our next couple podcasts. As uh, we'll find out fairly soon, when, what brewers will be making the team and whatnot, and, and also what brewer representatives will, will be, uh, you know, representing brewers at the future scheme as well, our minor leaguers. But one thing I was going to point out, like I remember, it's that, can you believe that it's been 20 years, brewer fans, since the brewers hosted the All Star game at Miller Park? 
talk about time flying. Well, I remember actually being at that futures game um, with Brandon, our minor league analyst, and we both, one of the players in the futures game lineup at Miller Park that night was uh, Miguel Cabrera, who very well could make the all-star game this year and possibly one of his final, final years as a Detroit Tiger and wrapping up kind of a Hall of Fame career and uh, just an amazing career. I mean, he, I think he's cemented himself as like a top 10 player of all time almost with the numbers he's put up, um, or at least top 20. So um, it was kind of cool seeing him at Miller Park, um, just you just knowing he was going to be a star one day, but by just seeing him there as a young, <clears throat> 20, I think 19 or 20 year old at the time. So <clears throat> yeah. That's pretty cool. So getting back to uh, some of the players then on this draft board, kind of break this up a little bit for you guys. So obviously Brand has taken Chase DeLauder, I'll fill her off James Madison. Obviously, guys I wish would fall to us was really Connor Prelip, you know, just because of Wisconsin ties. And I think he's got a nice ceiling as a left-handed pitcher. Um, I wouldn't mind if Brandon Barrera, the left-hander from high school in Florida, fell to us. Um, I know that our organization sometimes prefers a lean toward bats. Um, yeah, any of these, I, I don't think too many of the, you know, those bloodline players will fall or whatnot into where we're picking. So, but I guess some guys that will still be on the board when we select according to this mock that I'll, I'll just point out, I guess let's first focus on arms. I'll go over to college ones and then, and then possible high school ones. The college arms that are still left on the board that I really would still like for the Brewers to target would be right-handed pitcher Gabriel Hughes from Gonzaga. And then we got right-handed pitcher Justin Campbell from Oklahoma State and left-handed pitcher Carson Wisenhunt from East Carolina. I think those are all pretty solid selections. Um, high school arms, left-handed pitcher Jackson Ferris from high school in Florida. And a high school in Indiana or high school from Indiana, right-handed pitcher Andrew Dukinich is someone that really intrigues me. I really like Ferris and Dukinich. Um, so if either of those are available or, or the Brewers picks, I would not be disappointed. Um, and then looking over some bats who are probably the most likely targets for this Brewer team. Um, and again, that's one thing that is different from other sports. The Brewers, I mean, when you're drafting baseball, you never draft for, for, for current need. Obviously, if the Brewers could right. pick a, a bat and stick them in the lineup in the next couple of months, that'd be awesome. But that does, does not does not happen in baseball, and it's not even really an option for these players. So, I mean, I'll, the, a couple of the guys that, that I like, let's look for at college hitters, first of all. There's a bunch of outfielders that would still be on the board I like. Uh, from Carolina, outfielder Dylan Beavers. From Oregon, Oregon State, <laughs> outfielder Jacob Melton. From Stanford, Brock Jones, outfielder. Also, utility infielder Spencer Jones from Vanderbilt would be on the board here. Or a catcher from Illinois, Jacob Campbell. All these guys would be pretty good. Um, yeah, and there's not too many other high school bats in this range that, that intrigue me too much. I, obviously, there's a catcher from California, Malcolm Moore. But he, I guess he'd be a tough sign. And most likely will go to college. So, um, yeah, I, I guess overall, I like Brandon's pick. I'm, and I'd probably stick with that one as well. Chase DeLauder, if he makes it to our pick, I'd be very happy about that. The most likely scenario is we pick someone completely that I'd never even mentioned in this in this mock or are these players available. And the Cardinals will probably pick at 22, the guy I really wanted here in Chase DeLauder. <laughs> so, anyway, that's, that's all. I'll probably play out. 
I mean, so from what I understand, and obviously I don't do the same research that Brandon does. He, I know he pours like just hours and hours and hours into in the research and all this, but um, so Chase um, is still considered, even though there's um, obviously a lot of great bats going before him. Um, he is considered um, having like obviously that speed power combo. Um, and, you know, it, it does seem like it's the Brewers' M.O. to have, um, like, to draft a hitter, like, with an advanced approach at the plate. And I think that he definitely has that. He batted leadoff. Um, so, you, you know, obviously he's um, got a pretty good eye. That's definitely good. But um, it makes me wonder, will the Brewers really go for a bat? Because it's so weird because we've, We've struggled to develop bats, but apparently we can develop pitching like nothing now suddenly. <laughs> and so it almost makes me wonder if we're just going to lean into what we're good at and maybe look at an arm instead. Um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I still don't believe that the Brewers necessarily are great at developing arms. Uh, obviously, we're starting to get that. I think that we got really lucky that we drafted Corbin Burns in the fourth round back in that draft. I really thought he was like at least top two round pick. Um, and so that was a huge steal, obviously, at the time. Brandon Woodruff, someone I think we drafted in like the ninth or tenth round. And he obviously was an absolute steal and a huge find for us. Um, but I, again, I think we got a little bit lucky on that one. Freddie Peralta, obviously, we traded for when we traded Adam Lind. And, and he was a signing out of the an international signing. So basically um, he, we did really kind of develop him, you know, once we got him in our organization and uh, but overall, and, and now you're looking at some of the other guys that you're talking about. Oh, well, we were developing Ashby and, and small. Well, Ashby is getting lit up this year quite a bit, actually. Um, and Ethan small has still got a long way to go to be an impact. Um, but, you know, both those guys, I think do have a future as major leaguers. So you, it could definitely be argued the Brewers are all of a sudden a starting pitching factory, so to speak. But I think it just so happens after being not a starting pitching factor for, I don't know, about the first 48 or so years of this organization <laughs> history, um, all of a sudden that we're, that's what we're best at. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, but, you know, I guess – We've always been good at, at identifying bats, in my opinion. Overall, obviously, there's hit and miss on some guys, but um, in Keston here, I guess there's still some hope held out for him. I know he was a top 10 pick, but um, yeah, it, it's an interesting question. But yeah, you would think they would just go for a pitcher. And, and to me, I've always liked to build a major league team around solid pitching. I'm always under the belief that you can get good veteran bats and uh, guys with experience at the dish, so to speak. And, and almost, but you can't really, you know, um, you can't necessarily get really good quality free agent pitching, so to speak at prices, the Milwaukee Brewers as a super small market team can afford. So that's why I've always wanted them to lean more pitching than hitting anyways. And they've never really done that <laughs> much. Uh, they've kind of balanced <laughs> And usually even lean toward hitters over pitchers, including with this regime. Um, like I said, uh, the year I want us to take Walker Buehler, we took 
well, his name was Trent Clark at the time, I guess, but Trent Grisham. Um, and, and yeah, so it's, I think it's hit or miss. And so I think they're just going to, it's kind of that cliche, just going to take best player available regardless of position. I think that really will be true. They've probably got a draft board and whether it's a pitcher or a hitter in the first round, I don't think it matters. Um, they're going to take the best player on their board, so to speak. So who knows who it'll be, but according to this mock, we've got them taking uh, outfielder Chase Tulauder from James Madison. I'd be plenty happy with that pick. So I think he's going to be a solid player. I'd be very happy with it. I think he has uh, potential to be a five-tool player. Um, he's definitely very athletic. And, you know, um, being able to teach a hitter to be selective can be obviously pretty difficult. And you really can't teach speed at all. And he possesses, you know, an advanced batter's eye and he has speed. So, uh, to me, that's a huge win. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty solid. So, I but overall, really, I haven't had, heard too many rumors of guys that we're necessarily connected to um, going into this. So, um, we shall see. I guess once again, mark your calendars Sunday night, July seventeenth, first round of the Major League Baseball draft, and the Brewers will be picking twenty seventh overall. So, all right, uh, you got anything to add to this podcast, and Scott? Um, no, not really. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, obviously, um, you know, great job by Brandon. He did a good job as well, relaying that, that amazing information. Um, I kind of get to sit on the sidelines a little bit and just chime in from time to time, which is probably what I'm best suited at. <laughs> you don't really want me starting every day. <laughs> More like, you know, coming off the bench, <laughs> being a, a depth piece. So yeah, it worked out really well. Yep, awesome. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, Brewer fans. Um, and yeah, good luck at uh, tuning in for this year's All Star Game festivities, including the 2020 Major League Baseball draft. So, all right. Stay classy, Wisconsin. Oh. Oh, hey, we're gonna have we're probably gonna have a good amount of um, like uh, back and forth on on Twitter too at Brewster Review One. Um, you know, leading up to this, obviously, there's going to be a lot of draft talk. Um, so, uh, obviously, check us out there. Uh, if you like this review or if you like this podcast, please give us a five star review. We desperately need them. If you don't like the podcast, it's okay. Just give us a five star anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate you, listeners, and we'll do whatever we can. Obviously, you can always still reach out to us on Twitter. Um, that's usually the best way of getting a hold of us. So, yeah, send us a message. We're happy to interact with you guys. You guys are awesome. Obviously, anyone who's listening to this podcast is a diehard Brewer fan in my book. So, yeah, keep it up. Appreciate you guys. Same. All right, we'll stay classy listeners and go Brewers. Go Brewers. Da, na, na, na.